So the date is January 9th, 1985. And Pastor Histro Kulichev, a congregational pastor in Bulgaria, has just been arrested and put into prison. His only alleged crime was that he preached at the church he pastored, even though he was no longer the pastor of that church because the state had stepped in and appointed another man the pastor of that church in whom the congregation did not elect. His trial was said to be a total mockery of justice, and he was sentenced to eight months of imprisonment. But during this time in prison, it's said that he made Christ known in every way that he could. When Pastor Histro was finally released from prison, he wrote both prisoners and jailers alike, asked me so many questions, and it turned out that we had a far more fruitful ministry there than we ever could have expected within the church. God was better served by our presence in prison than if we were free. So many stories about persecution, struggles, hardships within the church, all having the same lesson that though we'd hate to admit it, Sometimes it takes a little persecution to press us into purpose. From persecution into purpose. In Acts 8, verse 1 through 4, And Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about Stephen. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. They were very upset. They were very sad, probably dealing with depression and anxiety and fear and worry and doubt. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women and committing them into prison. But look what happens in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. See, the church at this point in the book of Acts had been established for six chapters, yet it has yet to leave the walls of Jerusalem. It wasn't until persecution brought upon by Saul that forced the church to spread outside of Jerusalem. It's our human nature to want to avoid difficult situations. It's in our very nature to try to avoid experiencing pain and struggle. No one wants to experience persecution. We want an answer of how can we avoid hardships? How can we avoid persecution? How can we avoid struggle? That's why so many people flock to modern day preachers who will speak of only happiness, blessings, and prosperity, appeasing what the Bible calls itching ears because they only want to hear about three steps to a happier you. 10 steps to more financial stability, five steps to a more prosperous life. Preaching about how the fruit of the spirit includes joy and it includes peace, but they forget that the same spirit also produces the fruit of faithfulness and long suffering, which are two things that can't really manifest themselves in good times. It's not difficult to be patient when everything is going your way. It's not really hard to be faithful when everything in your life is pleasant. But what about when life throws you curveballs and you lose your job or a close friend hurts you or you fall into sin? You begin to battle with depression. You begin to battle with anxiety. That is when we can truly see the fruit of the Spirit manifest themselves. But we don't want to show that the fruit of the Spirit manifests in us because we want to avoid negative things. We want to avoid difficult situations. We want to ignore all of these things. We don't want to think about negative things, only focus on positivity. Never bring up the fact that life is hard. Never talk about negative things. Never deal with negativity. 
And we often ask ourselves, why are so many people in the church dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety? And personally, I believe the reason is because no one really wants to acknowledge that depression is real within the church. We just want to tell people, think happy thoughts without acknowledging the severity of the situation. And sometimes we fail to grasp the very simple concept that just because I'm saved, it doesn't mean all my problems go away. And we have so many people backslide and walk away from God because they're living under this delusion that just because I am saved, everything in life will be perfect. But just because you're saved doesn't mean all your problems go away. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, now thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. We're guaranteed triumph. We're guaranteed victory. We're not guaranteed to be excluded from battles. In fact, the Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against spiritual things, acknowledging that there is a battle that we must fight. Because when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you are given power to overcome any battle you may fight. You are given power to overcome pain, to overcome struggle, to overcome persecution, but there is no guarantee that you won't experience it. Christian experience is not all about sunshines and rainbows and happiness and blessings because while we are not of this world, remember, we're still in this world and this world is dark. The reality of the situation is that we all experience dark times. The reality of the life that we live is that it will rain on the just and the unjust. And while our eternal homes are secure with Jesus, this temporal earthly home is still subject to the darkness of sin and pain. We hurt, we fail, we get attacked, persecuted, we experience pain, we suffer, we cry, we scream in frustration, we experience so much negativity in our lives, and yet we still manage to be here. We are bent but not broken. As the Bible says, we are cast down, but we're not destroyed. And that's the real beauty of being in a relationship with God. The beauty of God is not found in this delusion that once I am saved, everything is perfect. The beauty of God isn't found in his ability to exclude you from painful experiences or to exclude you from making mistakes. The beauty of God is found in what he can do with your painful experiences and through your mistakes. See, before we ever see a woman healed, By merely touching the hem of Jesus's garment, there must first be an issue of blood. Before we can ever read about a young shepherd boy defying the odds, slaying a giant and saving a nation, we must first read of a young shepherd boy who is deemed too small and insignificant and is forgotten by his own father. Before we can read Peter proclaiming the first ever saving message in Acts 2.38, we must first hear him deny Jesus in Luke chapter 22. There is no story we read about the miraculous occurring without first reading of pain and hardship because oftentimes it's that very pain, that very struggle, that very hardship, which is the thing that propels you into the miraculous. And we see this in Acts chapter eight, the church being surrounded by pain and persecution. But it was that very persecution that pushed them out of Jerusalem. And what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. And we can see that so clearly by the writings of Acts eight and verse four, when it says they were scattered abroad, preaching the word. 
The persecution did not stop them from preaching the gospel. That persecution expanded the gospel's territory. Their hardships did not destroy the church. Their hardships activated the church. The imperfections, the pain, the mistakes, the things that you classify as impediments, the things that the enemy is intending to use for your destruction can be the very thing God uses for your activation. Things that hurt, times that are tough, obstacles that we face, battles that we fight, even things that are coming from the very pits of hell itself, when put within the hands of God, can bring glory to him and push his kingdom forward. For it is written, the Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked day of evil. And we know that he causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, who were called according to his purpose. And it is written for our light affliction, which is but for a moment worketh for us far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are but temporary, but the things that we cannot see are eternal. Your present suffering is transient. It is but of a temporal existence, but the realm God is wanting to propel you into, whether it be despite your suffering or because of your suffering is of an eternal existence. And I want to declare to you today, as the writer of Romans declared in Romans 8.18, that I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worthy of being compared to the glory which will be revealed in us. Don't ever undervalue yourself because you are not perfect and your life is not perfect. Because God does not use perfect people because perfect people with perfect lives cannot relate to the broken. We allow the enemy to tell us that we are too weak, too feeble, too broken to make a difference. And the crazy thing about liars is is a good liar will give you something that's 99% true and 1% a lie and it still makes it a lie. And the devil's really good at that because on the surface, he's right. In ourselves, we are but broken, messed up pieces of humanity, too weak and too feeble to do anything under our own power. But Paul addresses this in his writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where he says, God's grace is sufficient for you, for God's power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ then. I am content with weakness. I am content with insults and hardships. I am content with persecutions and calamities for when I am weak, I am strong. I can acknowledge my imperfections, my pain, my struggles, my hardships. I just don't need to wallow in them. I don't need to stay in them. The issues of this life don't need to become an excuse of why I can't do all that God is calling me to do, but instead I will rejoice in my infirmities, knowing that God's power is made perfect through my weakness. And that very humanity, that carnal flesh that I am using as a reason of why I can't be used of God, my humanity is in fact the very thing that puts me in place to be used of God to reach humanity. In Luke 24, we read of two men who are traveling 
to a neighboring town from Jerusalem. The Bible says about seven miles away and they're walking down the road and they're beginning to speak about the things that have happened. The Bible says that they're, they're believers, they're followers of Christ, they knew Jesus. And they're beginning to speak about the things that have happened in the previous days, meaning Jesus being brought before Pilate, being beaten, being crucified and being buried. And in Luke 24, 15, it says, while they were discussing and talking together, Jesus drew himself near and went to them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood looking sad. And one of them, one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? And he said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. These men were unable to recognize a resurrected Jesus because they were too busy viewing a painful experience of Jesus' death as final rather than viewing his death at what it really was, which is a necessity to set up his resurrection. They were experiencing pain, loss, and struggle and allowed themselves to believe that the situation they were experiencing was proof that this man called Jesus was just that, merely a man, and he was not the one to redeem Israel. And they allowed the obstacles that they were facing to impede their view of what Jesus's death really was, which was the exact avenue he was using to redeem Israel. In your life, you will undoubtedly make mistakes. You will fail. You will hurt. You will experience pain. You will struggle. You will encounter obstacles that stand in the way of the promises of God. And some of it may be by the design or the plan of God, but sometimes struggles are just a part of living life. But the mark of a godly man and a godly woman is not how well do we avoid struggle, not how well do we avoid persecution, but what do we do with it when it shows up? Does it break you? Does the pain and the hardships of life, maybe even your own mistakes, do they cause you to quit, to give up, or like these men that we read, begin to doubt everything you ever believed? Or can you recognize these obstacles in your life as what they really are? Setups for the miraculous. In Ecclesiastes 7.14, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider, God has made the one as well as the other. Unfortunately, there is no sermon, no book, no song, nothing that can be done that can completely eliminate hardships from our lives. And this is why the Bible tells us if we only have hope in this world, we are men and women most miserable because there's nothing that can be done to eliminate persecution, to eliminate pain, to eliminate struggle. Walking with Jesus is not about avoiding obstacles. Walking with Jesus is about being able to see obstacles for what they really are, which is a stepping stone to your testimony. So the question that is being posed to you tonight, will you be the one who looks at struggle, persecution, pain, hardships, the obstacles of life? Will you look at these 
these difficulties as impediments to your walk with God? Will you allow them to break you, to destroy you? Will you use them as excuses of why you can't do all the things that God is calling you to do? Or will you follow after the writer of Romans when he says we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces If you can right now, I encourage you to find a place of prayer. I encourage you in all sincerity and all transparency to begin to speak to God openly about these struggles that you have in your life. Begin to verbalize them. Begin to talk to God very openly about about the, the hardships and the obstacles that you may be facing the pain, the mistakes, whatever it is that you feel is is impeding you from being what God is wanting you to be, begin to verbalize them right now to God, speaking to him openly and vulnerably as a loving father. But once you acknowledge these obstacles, once you begin to acknowledge the pain to God, once you begin to acknowledge the struggles to him, I want you to begin to thank him for them. Because I believe as you begin to do what the word says, rejoicing in your suffering, being made glad about your weakness, God will begin to open your eyes and you will see these struggles in a whole new way. And whereas before you viewed these struggles as roadblocks to your spiritual progress, you will now begin to see them as on-ramps and freeways into spiritual destiny. And you can take your place among the godly men and godly women of old, and you can be persecuted into purpose. And I want to pray over you right now. God, I thank you, Jesus, for my weakness, Lord, because when I am weak, you are strong. God, I thank you for my suffering. I thank you, Jesus, because I believe in your word and your word says my suffering will produce endurance and endurance will produce character and godly character will produce hope. God, I thank you, Jesus, for these things, God. And I pray over everyone listening right now, Lord. I pray To anyone that has listened to this message, Lord, I pray over them right now and I declare that their perspectives will be shifted in the name of Jesus and they will see that whatever situation they are going through, they will no longer view it as the means to destroy them. But as it was in Acts 8, they will begin to view it as the means to deploy them. God, be with us, Jesus, as we do our very best through struggles, through pain, through hardships, to be persecuted into purpose. In Jesus' name. I love you guys so much. I encourage you to put some worship music on, maybe find a place to continue to pray. Um, I love y'all. I can't wait till we can gather together again, but until then, make sure you're staying safe. Make sure you're staying focused on your prayer, your fasting, your studying of the word of God, and your serving of others. And let God use this season to operate in you however he wants to operate. I love you guys so much, and I'll see you later.